Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. A little different format in today's episode is we're dedicating the entire show to news from the 2019 LA Auto Show, which runs at the LA Convention Centre through to Sunday, December 1st. The LA Show is one of my favourite on the Auto Show calendar, as for the past decade or so, it has made a concerted effort to showcase so-called green technologies. Likewise, automakers target the show with global debuts of their noteworthy electric vehicles. This year's show is no exception. To help us better understand the relevance, and a couple of cases, the controversies, of the new EVs revealed in LA, we're joined by our good friend David Booth, senior writer at Post Media Driving. Welcome, David. Good to be see, uh, hearing from you again. Okay, before we get to the LA show stuff, uh, I'd be remiss in not circling back to our first chat unplugged in with you a few episodes ago when you referred to Tesla's Elon Musk as one part Bernie Madoff. Can you explain that comment? Well, I, I also said one part genius or one part Charles Kettering. And by that, I meant that, you know, he has really revolutionized the automotive market. I mean, it's more than fair to say that because of Elon Musk, electric vehicles, zero emission vehicles in general are at the forefront of not only automotive technology, but consumerism and consumer awareness. So that yes. is, without a doubt, all on the positive. Uh, yes. the, Bernie Mad- the Bernie Madoff thing is, he's a little bit of a charlatan, or maybe a bit more the, uh, of a charlatan than even I uh, suggest. Uh, you know, one of the things he does that reminds me of, of Bernie Madoff, he's, he's forever gathering deposits on vehicles that are going to build, be built two, three, four years in the future to pay off the debts he's incurred um, building the cars that he's currently selling. Now, right. you know, I mean, it's not quite a full Ponzi scheme, but it's certainly a half Ponzi, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so that's cleared up that. Uh, let's get on to uh, Los Angeles show. By far the biggest newsmaker at the show, be it electrified or gas-powered vehicle, is Ford's all-new fully electric sport crossover, the Mach-E. Yeah. You were there for the kind of global launch on the Sunday night prior to the show. What's your take on that vehicle? Um, Good and bad. Um, I I really think it's a good vehicle. I think it's got um, the uh, dynamics, the specifications, and maybe even the looks to be a huge success. It's going to go right up against Tesla's Model Y. And um, I think, um, uh, judging from what I saw at, uh, at the event, and also looking at how many models of, of the new Mustang Mach-E that Ford will produce, uh, when you divvy it all up, there's actually nine distinct model trims from a rear-wheel drive, short-range uh, short battery, to an all-wheel drive, high-performance long-range battery and a whole bunch of iterations in between, it looks like one of the strategies of Ford is to surround uh, the Model Y in terms of offering a much more uh, selection, much more choice to the consumer. And I think that's a brilliant move on on, on Ford's part. That's one of the shortcomings of Tesla um, is that essentially it's one model fits all, apart from battery size, of course. Uh, indeed. And the, and the other thing it tells me is that Ford is very, very serious about this vehicle and I guess electric vehicles in general because um, nine uh, trim levels, five distinct models, 
Um, that's not something where uh, Ford is looking to produce a vanity project or a halo vehicle and sell a couple of hundred a month. Not from a company that, um, that really prides itself on efficient manufacturing. There's no way this is anything, at least from their viewpoint, a high volume model. They are in with uh, both feet, or I guess in the case of this vehicle, both are all four hooves, which brings us to the controversy <laughs> of the vehicle. Um, this thing is called a Mustang. Yeah, well, I, there's a lot of noise on the internet, and I think it's just that. Um, am I happy about it? No. Do I think it's going to hurt Ford? Uh, the opposite. Uh, the rationale, and I wrote a, a Motormouth column about this, is the, is the following. Um, the people that are complaining are Mustang loyalists. And the fact is, is they're not really the demographic that Ford is looking for to buy the Mustang Mach-E. And besides that, Mustang owners are very loyal. If they weren't going to give up Mustang for the Mustang 2, they're not going to do it for the Mach-E. And, and, and where would they go anyways? Um, you know, I mean, uh, the average Mustang owner would rather um, get divorced or, or estrange his children than uh, start shopping Chevrolet Camaro. So there's just, they don't have any place to go. And, and so from the other point of view, if, if, if the success of Tesla has taught us anything, it's that brand awareness really, really, really matters when it's sell, selling electric vehicles. And, you know, they, they don't have an Elon Musk, but they do have a Mustang that everybody knows. So uh, this is the best they could do. I mean, they could have called it an Explorer, perhaps. Uh, they could have Escape, called it a Ranger. Awesome. Yeah. 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 But I think that, the, uh, as I said, with nine trim levels, they're all in. And for them, all in means calling it a Mustang. So I see why they did it. I also, the only part that I'm surprised at is that they're surprised that there was as much uh, pushback as as there has been. You know, uh, the, the only disappointing thing for me at the launch was that some of the Ford uh, people that were working there, in fact, all the Ford people I talked to, really, really believe the same propaganda they tried to feed, uh, you know, we journalists and influencers. They, I mean, they've bought into it uh, a complete Kool-Aid, as they say. And, um, you know, I mean... It, there's a risk in here involved. You know, big, nobody big time. Is, oh, nobody's been successful in the electric field, truly successful, except for Tesla. You know, the, the, the Nissan Leaf was supposed to be selling about 10 times as much as it is right now by this time. That was the prediction. You know, Bolt is doing okay, but it's not setting the world on fire. The Volt got canceled. There's a lot, you know, there's not a lot in, in the electric field that is being truly truly successful and so for them to think that this is a home run right out of the gate i think got a lot of work ahead of them i wish them the best it gets back to our original conversation in the first episode i had you on and i still think about it actually when i see things like this and that was about the porsche tycon and you said what's really going to be interesting to see if this this so-called ev revolution is an electric vehicle revolution or a tesla revolution I mean, for me, uh, the, the, the Mustang uh, Mach-E joins in that thing. I, I, I drove the latest version, and I'm not sure if we were going to talk about it, but the uh, Taycan 4S, that's the cheaper version. I think it's 120-some thousand in Canada, and it was delightful. It's a really, really good car, except for maybe acceleration. Um, I can't, and, and maybe rear seat uh, legroom, I can't think of anything in which it doesn't demolish the Model S completely. 
handling, build quality, the whole bit. Now, if it doesn't sell and the Mustang Mach-E doesn't sell, despite having good pricing, good availability, all of that, then, as I said to you and you just repeated, is this an EV revolution or is this a Tesla revolution? Yeah, well, it remains to be seen, and I guess we'll see soon. In Post Media's driving hits and misses story and video from the show, both you and I chose the 2021 Toyota RAV4 Prime as our hit of the show. Why did you select a plug-in as your hit? Well, I mean, contrary to what um, some of the commenters and, and Tesla Rati say, I've got no problem with zero emissions vehicles. I, for my personal view, uh, use, and many other people's personal use, the large charging times are a problem. The inconvenience of, of, of uh, recharging, long recharging times on the open road, a real problem for me. But give me something that can do 60, even more, it'd be even nicer if it was 100 kilometers, but give me something that can operate around town um, uh, electrically that I can plug in every night uh, conveniently at home and then also give me the convenience uh, of gasoline refueling on the highway what's not to like and, and and honestly you know the RAV4 is a proven uh commodity uh Toyota's hybrid synergy drive drive another proven commodity I expect really good fuel economy when it's running on gas I expect to get 50 to 60 kilometers on electricity purely when I uh, when I plug it in I, I, I you know it's it's it, to me it's the near and at least midterm solution to uh, reducing our greenhouse gases. Absolutely. And that's certainly the, I mean, from our talk on the, a few episodes ago with Toyota, Be or I'm sorry, Stephen Beatty from Toyota, that's kind of their strategy is um, sure they're going to have some electric soon, but uh, the, the hybrids with the lower emission is really where their target is. And as you said, this vehicle with a 60 kilometer all electric range, I mean, you can drive around town and maybe not even use the gas engine for weeks on end if you don't use it much. Um, I did the calculation for 100 kilometers of range before going on to uh, gasoline. And I expected that you would cut uh, the average person, you know, judging by how much our split of rural, urban and, uh, and highway usage, you would cut your greenhouse gas emissions by about 80 percent. This one say it's 70%, say it's 70%. I, I, the point to, uh, that I'm not getting is why are we so pushing so quickly for full BEVs when something like this can um, reduce our, again, greenhouse gas emissions by 70% and requires no fancy plug at home, no um, infrastructure outside of town, no great uh, remove, uh, addition of electricity, um, transmission wires, and recharging stations on the highway, which one um, um, uh, study I saw, Project Drawdown, says that's going to cost the world, the planet, $14.5 trillion. A, a car like this would not require any infrastructure change and requires or requires, sorry, uh, would cut um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 70%. It, to, to say that, you know, we should go to BEVs right away and spend almost $15 trillion to get the last 30 or 25%, that's bad, bad engineering. It's not good engineering. It's not good policy. It's not good anything. And just a final word on the Prime. I mean, what I like about it is there's not a lot of sacrifice. It's an all-wheel drive vehicle. And according to Toyota, it's going to be their second fastest vehicle 
in terms of a zero to 100 kilometer sprint in their whole model lineup. It's going to be 5.8 seconds. Oh, a, a RAV4 that has 302 horsepower, sprints to 100 kilometers an hour in, um, in uh, 5.8 seconds, gets 60 kilometers of all-electric range, and then consumes on average 2.6 liters overall per 100 kilometers. I guess, I mean, it's manna from heaven. And, and, and from my understanding, it's going to be in the low 40s. Uh, you know, maybe mid 40s at the highest, depending if they only bring in a, a, a luxury model. I got to say, it, again, I'll say it again. It, it might not just be my hit of the Los Angeles Auto Show. It might be my hit of the year. Just a couple of other EVs that got launched, uh, other ones that aren't going to be sold in volume, certainly like the Prime. Uh, I, I know it's one of your hits, at least the way it looked, was the Karma SC. Oh, yeah. I think it's the SC2 or is it the SC1? SC2. SC2, right. yeah. Uh, lordy, 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 was that thing beautiful. I mean, talk about a perfect com- combination of the ultra-modern uh, with its sharp edges and everything and, and a completely retro kind of organic curves look to it with the cab back and the long front hood. My God, I fell in love with that. And and I've driven the latest uh, uh, Karma Rivero G- uh, GT, which is the old Karma Fisker, uh, 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 or Fisca Karma, Fisker Karma, pardon me. The, the name change gets gets me sometimes. And it's so much more improved. So if, if it's uh, if the new SC2 that they build is as high quality as the current Rivero, um, it should be very, very impressive. Um, is, on the there, other hand, is there... I was going to say, is there a time frame we might expect to see that in production? No, I mean, I, I was going to say, on the other hand, it's got, they're saying 1,100 horsepower. And every time somebody says 1,100 horsepower and electric vehicle like Faraday, they tend to disappear into vaporware land. So I, you know, <laughs> right, I, right. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Know? Another, uh, another car from the show, which is in production, is the Audi e-tron Sportback. It's the second uh, full production EV uh, for the German automaker. What, what do you think about that one? Well, I, I'm looking beyond just Audi. Uh, I'm looking at the Volkswagen Group. They've uh, uh, committed untold billions of dollars to um, EV production, uh, you know, they've made some outlandish claims. Some of them are a little misleading, but they, they, you know, since their Dieselgate scandal to rehabilitate their image, they've really tried to push the zero emissions aspect of of converting to electrification. And you know, uh, their first one, the the first e-tron, um, was probably the first effort from the Volkswagen Group, and it didn't it didn't do it didn't do so well. Um, uh, you know, it's doing all right. It's moderately successful, more successful than the Jaguar I-Pace, for instance. Uh, this one um, uh, addresses at least part of the problem that the Eon had. It looks sportier, a bit more dynamic, whereas the original Eon looked a little staid and boring, shall we say. Will they really, really be able to get the numbers they need to get? To, uh, to make an impact. As I said to you before about the Taycan and the Mustang Mach-E, uh, I was thinking of both the I-Pace and the e-tron in that they, they've been around for a little while and they're not getting the play that they would normally get. 
And finally, a vehicle that, while not revealed at the show, did make its global reveal in California during yeah. show week, yeah. and in doing so, was really the electric vehicle story of yeah. the week, yeah. if not uh, the year, uh, was you know, the Tesla, Tesla Cybertruck. Once I could just, I really do wish I could just say, oh, this is great. Everything that Elon said makes sense. I mean, everybody saw it, and, and I suspect, and I hear that there's 200 thousand people that have put deposits and i suspect it's precisely the reason they uh, put those deposits on is precisely because it's getting such negative reviews they're the same kind of people who want to poke poke people repeatedly in the chest to prove their point and uh and <laughs> and, and and the fact that it's only a hundred dollars us i mean yeah I've watched a lot of uh, 150 sorry sorry 150 no, no, i think 150 but anyway Canadian go ahead to 100 us yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, but anyways, I've watched a lot of Elon Musk presentations and usually it's 100% full. Oh my God, we love you, Elon. When that thing walked out, the, the people, I think the people even in the studio, which are all loyal, loyal Tesla fans were as taken aback as the people online. Um, there was a noticeable lull and gasp before the requisite applause started. You know, uh, and so, you know, from that point of view, again, uh, as I think it was P.T., was it, uh, who was it, P.T. Barnum? No, I might not have been a P.T. Barnum. You know, yeah, who said that there's no such thing as bad publicity as long as you spell my name right, you know. Um, the, the and, and again, the deposits are proving that. But honestly, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm getting a little tired of saying that, you know, this, this all seems like some sort of Tesla cult. It's getting really old saying it and then having people exact, uh, act exactly like it is. And besides that, you know, some of the numbers that Tesla put, uh, put forward, Mr. Musk put forward as to the range and the price he's going to charge, it's the same old, same old. It's the same old thing about the $35,000 Tesla Model 3. You know, the, the $39,000, um, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, single motor rear-wheel drive version has between, optimistically, optimistically, has between $10,000 and $12,500 for batteries. Not the entire powertrain, just the batteries. That's wholesale costs. That's not marked up costs, okay? So uh, you add in maybe $1,000 for, uh, for, the, for the stainless steel um, uh, body and he's already behind uh, the eight ball in terms of trying to make profit on a $39,000 uh, Cybertruck. He claimed that he would eventually build a $35,000 Model 3 and as a few people exposed down in the States, he never built one. Uh, the closest he got was about $39,000. So the, uh, there- Yeah, but but you know what? In, fa- in, in, in fairness though, I mean, despite that with the Model 3, it's been by all accounts are runaway success I, I, I do, people I, have people I agree have, i agree i agree so i mean this is if this is his method of operation why would he change it it seems to work you get them excited with this crazy looking truck and then suddenly people put down the money and you and i have talked about this before the final version of this truck's not going to look I, you like know, that. I, I don't, I, I, he's, he's intimated that. I mean, uh, then why did he put it, uh, why did he put it on? You know, why yeah. did he put it? Uh, well, maybe because the Mach-E sp- stole a lot of the thunder. I mean, what I loved about the Mach-E presentation was they did it right beside <laughs> SpaceX. I mean, that's right out of the Musk playbook doing something like that. 
Yeah, it is. It is. It's. It, I. I. I think that. I mean, obviously, the Cybertruck was around long. You know, long in product, uh, in design, long before anybody even know the, the Mach Three. The 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 thing I'd say is is you know, and you mentioned before, people are buying Teslas. Well, and and Musk is doing the same thing over and over again. I I absolutely agree, and it's getting away from away with it. And you know, for I think it's in. 14 years, they've made profit two quarters. Every time he puts out a car that's underpriced and sells a boatload of them, he goes back to the stock market and gets another million dollars. Which, as you say, if he's always done it and always gotten away with it, why would he stop it? And I agree with that. Uh, that Yeah, why would he? Except that both of us know that's not the way to operate a business. Whether it's Silicon Valley or Detroit, sooner or later, there is always a Comeuppance and getting back, getting back to what we started this show on, the Bernie Madoff. I don't know the exact history, but I believe Bernie was doing the Ponzi scheme for about 25, 28 years. And I actually watched the show. There was a documentary on the gentleman that exposed him. And from the time that he started telling people that his investigation said that the numbers didn't work till Bernie's downfall, it was over 10 years. So and and of course all that time Bernie knew this uh, uh, opportunity to expose him as as uh, as a charlatan he knew about it and he kept on operating the same way because just like you said he kept on getting away with it. Yeah, well, stay tuned on that one, I guess. I guess yeah. Well, thank you David. Um that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to David Booth my guest, producer extraordinaire Darm Makwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. I have to apologize for not including my promised interview with Rob Filipovic, Director of Product Planning for Jaguar Land Rover North America. Due to some technical gremlins, we're holding that interview on that company's electrification plans until next week's episode. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. Subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please, subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Thank you.